You are Locked On LSU, your daily podcast on the LSU Tigers. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Okay, let's get it. It is Locked On LSU, your team every day. I'm Matt Moscona, ESPN Radio, Baton Rouge, New Orleans, Alexandria, CST. Right here for the Locked On LSU podcast. Ed Ogeron did have his weekly media availability, which formerly would have been his press luncheon, his weekly press luncheon, but obviously no luncheons this week, no formal uh, gatherings in person. This year, all of that availability, at least for now, is going to be handled by uh, by Zoom. But that doesn't mean it was without any, um, any consequence. A couple of things that are sort of newsy, that uh, Ogeron talked about. Bring, can you hit me with number 12 here? Uh, first, Ed was asked for an update on Tyler Shelvin, who he alluded to late last week. He had talked to Shelvin's family, but had not spoken to Tyler, and that had left the door open in the minds of some that Shelvin might return. First of all, Tyler Shelvin, I have not heard from. Uh, everything is quieted down. Obviously, it's Monday of game week, so he hasn't returned. I'm not going to rule it out, but I have not a word. I have heard not a word from his family. Or from him, so I don't know where that's at. Now, he also um, welcomed back a week ago, as we know, Neil Farrell. Ed updated Neil Farrell's status, saying, look, he's still not doing physical contact right now because there's an acclimation period. Uh, Neil had been away for a month, so he's got to have X amount of days of acclimation and conditioning before he can put on pads. So that's where Neil Farrell is. He will be ready for this weekend to be in pads and to play. How much he plays will certainly be be interesting. So Neil Farrell right now is still not still not participating in full pads, but they expect him to be a go. Uh, here was Ed talking about the defensive tackle rotation. Here's where he mentions Neil Farrell. Yeah, Neil's earning his way back. Hasn't been in pads yet because uh, of the acclimatization period. Uh, still has some conditioning to do. Obviously, we all know Neil can play. Uh, how fast he returns and how fast he works his way up the depth chart is basically up to him. And uh, he's come back with a great attitude and wants to work. Uh, if Neil is uh, in shape and he's working, Neil could perhaps be a starter for us. He, he's that good. But I can see him starting to get some game reps. I don't know if he's going to be ready. I think uh, Tuesday and Wednesday are going to be some big days for him. But I, I see Glenn Logan, Apu Ica, and Joe Evans rotating the, the top three guys right there. And then maybe see Sony in there, maybe see Jacqueline Roy in there. So we got some options in there. We got Eric Taylor uh, that can play. So there's a lot of guys that we can put in the game. But I think the top three of the guys that I talked about. The one guy he didn't mention is Jacoby and Guillory. And we didn't really know this. It's 22, Brandy, if you could. Jacoby and Guillory, the true freshman out of Ash, Alexandria Senior High, who apparently has been battling an ankle injury. And that's what's limited him right now from being part of that rotation. Yeah, he had a. Uh, uh, what we call a high ankle sprain uh, during camp, which takes a l- little while longer to get back. Uh, I talked to him today. He, is, uh, he has been a little gimpy at practice and been about 60%, 70%. I do believe that he's working his way up this week. He's going to be closer to full speed, but it's going to take a little while. And I think in about two weeks he's going to be ready to go. Now, he is, not, uh, he is not nowhere in the top three in the depth chart yet because of his injury. But he has shown that he has a promising future here. Both him and, J- and Jacqueline Roy and Eric Taylor, those guys are tremendous players. 
along with our other freshman defensive linemen. So it's going to take a little while for him. So do not expect to see Guillory this week. Ed said it's going to take a couple of weeks to get him ready. So if it's not this week or next against Vanderbilt, maybe a week three against Missouri. But that's why you're not hearing Guillory's name. And the reason I'm bringing this up is I just I, I really believe that's going to be such a key to this game. With that Mike Leach offense, of course, we know that they're going to sling it around a ton. Can you pressure K.J. Costello? And K.J. Costello is the, the grad transfer from Stanford who's coming into Mississippi State now, uh, played three years at, at Stanford, 2017, 18, and 19, and you know, he has battled some injuries, but he's played a lot of football. You know, Two years ago in 2018, he threw for 3,500 yards and 29 touchdowns. So this is a very experienced guy that Mike Leach is familiar with. This, you know, LSU's defense is going to have to find a way to disrupt the timing of that offense, and the way you do it, obviously, is lockdown coverage or pressuring the quarterback, moving him off the spot. That's why I'll be very interested to see how that defensive front does here from jump in this particular matchup with Mississippi State coming in on Saturday. We will have uh, much more from Ed Ogeron's press gathering. That's coming up here on the Locked in LSU podcast brought to you by Rock Auto. Rock A-U-T-O, rockauto.com. Amazing selection, reliably low prices, all the parts your car will ever need. You can find it online at rockauto.com. If you need to change your headlight, Rock Auto. Need to change your oil, Rock Auto. Need to change your windshield wipers, Rock Auto. Need to change a carburetor from a 57 Chevy, Rock Auto. All the parts for every car ever. Go to rockauto.com and you'll understand what I mean. Easy to use. You looked at the left side of the homepage. It's you pick the, uh, the make, the year, the model, the body style specific, or just type in the part that you're looking for in that search engine, and it's all right there at rockauto.com. When you get to checkout, be sure to tell them how you heard about us. Type in Locked On LSU. It is Rock Auto. Amazing selection, reliably low prices. All the parts your car will ever need. Visit rockauto.com. Ed also discussed uh, what he called preseason game number three, which um, which they went through walkthroughs. Uh, and preseason game number three wasn't, exactly a um wasn't exactly one of the scrimmages because they weren't there wasn't contact or anything like that it was more just going through the game day and protocols and things like that here's what ed described what happened last weekend in tiger stadium uh, there was a lot of energy uh, for the mock game we wanted to make it game like we talked about substitutions situations halftime adjustments a big day in the kicking game great job a great man an organization uh, we had a maroon team that was in maroon jerseys. I, I want to compliment all the coaches on the staff, led by Russ Callahan and Christian Lockature. I thought they did a tremendous job of uh, getting these guys fired up. Uh, Jeff Martin was our uh, our energy coordinator. He did a great job of cheering those guys on. They got them all fired up. There was a cowbell on the sideline. Kind of made things like game light. It was kind of exciting, man. It was, I just want to compliment everybody we walked off the field feeling very good about our situations about what we did and we're ready to play a football game tiger stadium looks gorgeous uh lsu did put a a video out if you go look at their social media about the whole resurfacing of the playing field at tiger stadium it looks gorgeous the way that they've done it obviously they've made a lot of changes in the fan areas at tiger stadium for covid protocols and Ed Ogeron was asked today, is anyone going to be out because of COVID? We're currently uh, very low 
uh, with guys that do have COVID. Uh, we're going to test three times th throughout the week, so things could change, obviously. Uh, but right now, we're in good shape. Uh, we have very few guys that are out because of COVID. I believe he also, at one point in the answer, said he didn't want to... Uh... He didn't want, what did he say? He didn't want to overstate. <laughs> I, I did laugh. I mean, good thing I was muted on the Zoom call because I, I did laugh, but nonetheless. Um, so he didn't give a number there, but all indications are that the, the players that you're expecting to be available for LSU are going to be available for LSU on Saturday. Now, uh, Ed also talked about game day protocols for his team. You know, I was curious if... Um, how the sideline will work. What about coaches in the booth that are on the sideline? Are, are any of those policies or procedures going to be different for Saturday? The sidelines, you know, obviously we're going to wear a mask. There will be a lot less people on the sideline. Uh, we're going to try to practice social distancing as much as we can. Obviously, that's going to be a challenge, no question. Uh, but I think as far as the, uh, the, the, the play calling, as far as the guys in the box, the guys on the sideline, everything's going to remain the same. We want to make sure that everything remains the same as well for our players so they can be comfortable in their environment. So Ed Ogeron uh, going uh, through today um, their protocols and what they're expecting for, for game day on Saturday. Now, what we learned on Friday before we got off air was that the LSU had two number 18s and a new number seven. So that was announced over, um, uh, over the weekend, or actually on Friday, and uh, Ed Ogeron today talked about awarding two 18s and the number seven. 18 was a very prestigious number of two very deserving young men. We had a lot of men that were very deserving, but these men fit all the categories and, and, and graded the highest in all of the categories that we judge them in. Number 18, Chris Curry, and number 18, DeMond Clark on defense. Those two uh, young men are tremendous leaders, are great, uh, great LSU Tigers. Uh, both of them fought, fought through adversity. Uh, guys like Chris Curry, some some guys would would not have stuck around. Uh, would, would have went somewhere else, but he stuck around and got his chance, and he's going to be a great player for us. The number seven jersey went to Jacoby Stevens, very deserving, outstanding player, outstanding leader for us. He was excited to get it, and uh, I know he's going to wear it with a lot of pride. So... Uh... Y'all know how I feel about jerseys. I've talked about it enough. I don't care what jersey number anybody wears. It's just, it, it, I always say, make, let your performance make the number mean something. But the thing that is important is to the players. If the players take a lot of pride in getting that number, cool. All, that's, that's all that really matters for it. So, like, some fans were upset that Stevens didn't get 18. Like, who cares? I mean, whatever. But I, I'll say what, to, in my opinion, what is most important about this is the two guys that are wearing 18 play positions that were gigantic. I mean, massive question marks coming into the season. You lose Clyde Edwards-Elair, and you lose your top four linebackers. There was no question when we started this whole process toward the 2020 season, the conversations we were having, of course, after replacing Joe Burrow in the season he had, was right, you lose four of your top six offensive linemen, you lose basically your entire defensive front, and then who's going to be the running back? I mean, they've always seemed to answer that question at running back, but the fact that Chris Curry's wearing the 18 tells you you've got another leader on that side of the ball outside of just your quarterback, which is great to see. 
And then we talked about this a few weeks back that I had heard some rumblings that either Damone Clark or Jabril Cox was going to wear the 18. But either way, when you have those two guys now, when you have Jabril Cox and Damone Clark, and that tells you what they think of Damone Clark and the type of season he's poised to have. When I think about the the linebackers that Bo Pelini had in his defense when he were here, if it was Derry Beckwith or Ali Highsmith, certainly Jabril Cox fits that mold. But clearly they think Damone Clark does as well. And you can go in the not-too-distant past at LSU and see guys who only got one year really as a starter, made the most of it, and became a high NFL draft pick. It happened a year ago with Patrick Queen. Patrick Queen was a special teams guy. And because of injury, kind of got his opportunity, flashed a little bit in blowouts early. Utah State, he flashed it. And then by the time we got into October, November, December of this past season, Patrick Queen was flying all over the field. You couldn't you couldn't help but notice eight flying around making plays. Became a first-round draft pick. Now he's leading the Baltimore Ravens in tackles this year. It's incredible. Same with Debo Jones and, and Duke Riley, guys who had been special teamers their whole career, finally got a chance to be a starter as a senior and made the most of it. Now you look at Damone Clark. He's mostly been a backup, special team, a rotational player. Now it's your turn, Hoss. Let's see if you can go be a 100-tackle guy out there. Get on NFL teams' radars. And it may be that type of year for Damone Clark, and it's great to see him at that position, that position of need. Uh, get the number 18 jersey. Um, next hour, we'll delve deeper into Mississippi State because Ed Ogeron did deep dive into uh, Mississippi State and you know, prepping for Mike Leach, et cetera. Uh, but he also answered sort of a, a philosophical question. It was Dennis Dodd of CBS Sports who hopped on the call and, and asked this one. Um, this was 23, Brain. He he, a, he asked the question about the age-old question. Is it harder to get to the top of the mountain or to stay on top of the mountain? Well, obviously right now, be where we at, it seems like it'll be harder to maintain it. <laughs> I mean, it's just, you know, hey, you know, you got to forget about it. You got to learn what we learned from it. Forget about it. Let it go. This is a new season. I don't want to put too much pressure on this football team. There's a lot of young players out there. We have a first-year quarterback. I remember when Joe was a first-year quarterback, not everything was was uh, perfect all the time, uh, and I don't think everything is going to be perfect. Uh, this team last year was struggling against Southeast Louisiana, 10 nothing at halftime, and everybody was wondering. So I'm looking forward to obviously winning – Winning one game at a time, but getting better and giving these guys a chance to grow and learn each other. Bill Connolly is a writer for ESPN.com, and he also uh, does the SP Plus rankings and ratings and metrics. Uh, for whatever that's worth, it's just one of the metrics that ESPN uses. And Bill Connolly today, and he's analyzed all of the college football teams, all the Power Five, and today he handled LSU. And I thought of this when I heard Ed answer that question. Um, because, and if you go follow Bill Connolly on Twitter, he's at ESPN underscore Bill C. And he went through all these charts and metrics and graphs and things that wouldn't really make any sense to you unless if you you were studying it. But the tweet that resonated the most with me is the last. It was a series of tweets and all these charts and graphs and defensive efficiency. It's basically just, he's a statistical nerd. He just deep dives into the stats and the, the objective data surrounding these teams. And he tweeted, writing the LSU part of today's SEC West preview made me come back around on them. Oh, right. They still have that guy and that guy and that guy. 
He writes, they also miss UGA. A run at 9-1 and one or so is doable with just a little rankings over achievement. And so and he's got all the metrics up there that you can go see and all the win probabilities. And if you want to, and basically the projected wins that they put on the S&P, if you're curious, is the projected wins is 6.4. If you look at the bottom, if you're looking here, if you're watching with us here, look at the bottom right there. The projected wins is 6.4. Likely, they say 6. Relative toss-ups, 3. Likely losses, 1. So basically, what we've talked about, like the likely loss is is Alabama. It's what everyone's going to show. And then the toss-ups, they're 3. And they're basically saying, you're going to be six and a half. Basically, they think LSU is going to go, the computer's thinking LSU is going to go one and three in those games, those four games that we talked about. So, my feeling has been, I think they can do one game better than that. I think that's a good standard for this team. The four, like, they got six layups. They got four games that are toss-ups. The computers show that. I think it's, if if you're rational thinking, you can understand that. If they split those two, they can go eight and two. That's that's kind of been my thought on the game on on the season how it may play out. Now, what does eight and two get you? I, I don't know, but it was interesting to see that from a national media guy who analyzes metrics to say what we've kind of all been saying here all summer, which is, yeah, they lost a ton, and I can talk about Burrow and Clyde and Jefferson and Chase and Moss and the four offensive linemen and Rashard Lawrence and Caleb on Chasson and Patrick Queen and Jacob Phillips and Grant Delpit and Christian Fulton, and it's a mouthful and it's a ton, but you can have the same conversation of. Look who they have back. Right? We've done we've done that exercise as well when you run through the whole thing. And it's impressive. But this season, the result of this season will be a true test of if LSU is a reload or rebuild type program. Can you lose 14 guys to the draft and still be a title contender? Or is it going to take a couple of years to replenish that depth to be contending again. That's what this year is going to tell us. At least one national media guy today said, yeah, maybe the computers and the metrics who are looking at six and a half, you know, six, seven wins for LSU, might be missing it because there's more to this team than just what the stats and the numbers show. So LSU's opened up a 19-point favorite over Mississippi State Saturday in Tiger Stadium. I like it. Uh, The number's probably right. Interestingly enough, though, Vegas has been uncharacteristically off so far. And some of that makes sense, right? You've had opt-outs. You've had no fans. They're just variables that have been really difficult to account for when it comes to handicapping games. But... For now, we're looking at LSU as a 19-point favorite early over Mississippi State. Um, It's actually in some places dropped. I'm looking at ESPN right now, and they've got it at uh, 16.5 right now with LSU as a favorite. So that number's come down. Personally, and we'll get Friday when we talk about this game, we'll give a pick. I think LSU's going to have no trouble at all covering that number. But then again, who really knows what to expect in, in many respects with this Here's what what I'll say with regard to the matchup in particular. We'll get into some of what Ed Ogeron had to say as he started previewing the matchup. When I look at Mississippi State, obviously they are one of the more intriguing teams in the SEC because Mike Leach has been one of the more notorious head coaches in college football from Texas Tech, obviously to Washington State, now Mississippi State, running the air raid. He made Texas Tech a national contender 
He won at Washington State, and now he's bringing that offense into the Southeastern Conference. So, you know, can Mike Leach make this work in the SEC? I think is a fascinating test case to see if it'll work against SEC defenses. And he'll face a really athletic LSU defense on Saturday with an attacking style with Bo Pelini and a fast athletic defensive front. And maybe they'll have some success offensively. But the other thing to keep in mind specifically with this matchup is that Mike Leach's defenses have never been good. When you look back, over the last three years, 2017, 50th in scoring defense. 2018, 58th in scoring defense. Last year, Washington State last year was 93rd in the country in scoring defense. Even if Leach's teams are able to put up some points, I don't know that I have any confidence at all in Mississippi State's ability to stop LSU from doing whatever it wants moving up and down the field. Remember, Mississippi State also lost five of its top seven leading tacklers from a year ago. Yes, they returned Errol Thompson in the inside. They returned two rotational defensive linemen from a year ago uh, but that, that are really good players and probably better defensive linemen than any that Leach has ever had at any of his stops. I'm, I'm saying that sort of flippantly. I don't know if I went back and dissected it. Maybe there was a kid one year at Texas Tech that became a high draft pick or something I'm not thinking of. But by and large, State's defenses the past couple of years have been really good. Two years ago with Jeffrey Simmons and, and Montez Sweat to your last year, they were still a, a really good defensive team, but they lost much of the core of that defense from a year ago, which makes the, the challenge of replacing Burrow and a lot of those guys on offense a little bit easier for LSU on Saturday. There's a few really big questions, though, that I have about uh, about how this game is going to play out. We'll delve into that, but Ed Ogeron did talk about, you know, what it's been like studying Mike Leach and getting ready for for this game. Uh, Mike Leach has done a very good job wherever he's at with the air raid. He has some tremendous offensive weapons uh, at Mississippi State. One, Colin Hill, one of the backs that I had the most respect for, some of the most respect for at SEC last year. A very dangerous back, and especially in the spread offense. We've been studying his offense at Washington State, and his running backs could hit the hole, could bounce it out, and make people miss. So it wasn't just Washington State, though. One of the things Ogeron said, which is very interesting, and this is uh, 15 brain. Not only do you have a new head coach in Mike Leach, You've got a new defensive coordinator in uh, Zach Arnett, who came from San Diego State. And you've got a new quarterback in K.J. Costello, who's coming from Stanford. So the particulars of who you're going to see on Saturday all come from very different places to intersect in Baton Rouge on Saturday, and that's created a different challenge for LSU preparing for this game. Uh, you know, COVID-19 was an was, uh, advantage for us in some ways that we went out in spring recruiting and we were able to game plan all of our, all of our teams on our schedule. I think uh, Mississippi State was maybe the eighth game on the schedule and we had already had game plan. So you got to look at Washington State for scheme on offense. You got to look at San Diego State scheme for defense. And then you got to look at Mississippi State for personnel. So you're really scouting three different teams. So it's three times the work. So um, 
and, and Costello, as you mentioned, is the fourth. If you're scouting Costello, then you're looking at Stanford for what Costello did at Stanford, scouting that player as well, that personnel. So it's it's a challenge, certainly, to prepare for this in particular. But LSU is just that much better of a just that much better of a of a roster and of a program right now than Mississippi State. But Arnett was a very led a very strong defense at San Diego State last year, and as we talked about. Something that Leach has never been able to do, really, is establish a consistent defensive presence. Here was Ed Ogeron talking about uh, Mississippi State's new defense. On defense, uh, Zach Cornett's coming from San Diego State. Very impressive numbers. Uh, gave up 12.7 points per game. Was second uh, in the country. Uh, he was second in a couple of categories. I think he had a top five defense overall. And as we know, Mississippi State always has big, agile defensive linemen two outstanding linebackers, safeties that are going to hit you, corners that are going to cover. I have a lot of respect for Mississippi State. I played them a bunch. Uh, those uh, young men are very tough. They love football. They're going to be very well coached. So it'll be a tremendous talent for a football team. Ed Ogeron again meeting with the media on Monday via Zoom previewing Mississippi State. I mentioned for me there's, there's a few questions that I have obviously most notably is going to be the quarterbacks right this is one of the most intriguing matchups in the SEC because of the quarterbacks you have KJ Costello a grad transfer who two years ago threw for 3,500 yards and 29 touchdowns at Stanford now he's at at Mississippi State running Mike Leach's air raid and Mike Leach is familiar with him because they're both in the Pac-12 and they scouted each other played against each other every year so that's part of, of this equation. Can that offense work in this league? One. Two is Miles Brennan because not only is it a new quarterback, sort of an atypical situation with a guy who waited his turn, but the flip side of it is he's replacing Joe Burrow. And when you're the guy replacing the greatest, the quarterback with the greatest season in the history of college football, there's obviously going to be a lot of attention, a lot of added pressure on Miles Brennan this year. So which quarterback can develop timing? Remember, Costello also coming over from Stanford arrived late because Stanford's on that quarter system. So, like we saw, remember we saw this with, with Andres Pete when the Saints drafted him. He was late to camp because he was still finishing his degree in school because Stanford's on the quarter system. So, Costello got to Starkville later than normally would have been, got a later start. You throw in all the COVID factors, et cetera. How much of that does, does it impact? So, the quarterback play is, is a big one for me pressuring the quarterbacks is going to be significant. Can LSU in that defensive front get pressure on Costello? The only way really to disrupt that offense is to disrupt the timing of the routes. And it's very hard to pressure quarterbacks when everything's timing. Shotgun, one, two, throw. So the way you do it is you're either able to cover and make the quarterback hold the ball a beat longer and get pressure, or you lock down receivers and you know, interrupt those passing lanes. I think LSU certainly has the athletes to do it, but can they pressure Costello? And then the flip side is true. Can this LSU offensive line hold up? Mississippi State has Errol Thompson back. Two really good defensive linemen back. This will be a bet this will be a better defense talent-wise than Leach has ever had. But still don't know if this Mississippi State defense is good enough to keep pace with LSU. They did a good job a year ago, relatively speaking of the rest of college football, in Starkville. But when you look at LSU's front line, you know, Liam Shanahan in the middle is a massive part of this equation working. I mean, he's 
He's one half of that battery. And, you know, Ed Ogeron talked when, when they first got Liam Shanahan, he talked about if he wasn't sure if Liam would be able to transition with the physicality from the Ivy League to the SEC. We're going to find out, but I asked Ed earlier today what he's seen from Liam so far in camp, if he if that's alleviated any of his concern about that transition. He's done well, surprisingly well. That was my biggest concern. You know, he was going against Tyler, goes against Apu, goes against Joe Evans. Uh, very smart, as we know that, can make all the calls, but he's physical enough. And uh, now he's going to get tested throughout the year, especially when they put one of those 350 pounders right on top of him. He's got the blocker, but I think he can. In fact, I feel good about it. I feel I'm, I'm very glad that we have him. He's been a big plus for us. Ed Ogeron, again, previewing LSU, Mississippi State, something we'll delve deeper into as we move throughout this week. But line of scrimmage is always so key, especially in this league. LSU lost a ton of line of scrimmage, but they have a lot back. Let's see how LSU and Mississippi State match up on Saturday. Tigers are a big favorite. That line opened at 19. It's dropped a little bit. But I think the Tigers will have no problem winning this game on Saturday with ease. So we'll delve deeper into that as the week moves along. All right, that'll do it for us here on a Tuesday edition of the Locked on LSU podcast. LSU players meet the media today, so on tomorrow morning's episode, Wednesday morning, you'll hear from LSU players like the new 18s, the new number 7, Miles Brennan, as they're preparing for game week. We'll have it for you here all week and all season. Locked on LSU, your team every day.